to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our final lesson over the book of Ephesians. In this lesson, the armor of God part three and the farewell, we will see Paul giving his final instructions and the final two pieces of armor, the helmet of salvation, as well as the sword of the spirit of the word, which is the word of God. We'll also see that all these pieces of armor should be put on through prayer. And we will see Paul's final farewell and encouragement to the faithful church in Ephesus. Well, thanks again for joining us for this lesson. We hope that you enjoyed it. Ephesians chapter 6. Um, so this is our 23rd lesson in Ephesians. And it is our final one. It's our final Ephesians lesson. So kind of sad. I was kind of sad this week just because we've been doing it for so long. It was spring last year when we started Okay, so we've been doing, obviously we didn't do it every week, um, but I'm excited for the final lesson and kind of sad a little bit. Uh, it's kind of weird, but today we're going to be looking at the last uh, armor, armor part three, the armor of God part three, which is the farewell of Paul as well. We throw that kind of in there because uh, I didn't want to do a full lesson on the farewell number one and number two. Uh, we on February 13th are starting a new series over marriage. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. You guys should all come for that. Uh, we'll have some interviewees, some people that we'll be interviewing. And um, along with that, as we start, I have some cards over here. Okay, these little like three by five cards. If you guys, I'll just put them right up here. So if you guys have any um, like questions about marriage or anything like that, you guys can write them on there and give them to me. I can't promise you that we're going to go over them. Uh, but it might give some ideas um, for some of the people that are, we're interviewing. Um, so if you're like, hey, I've got a question about an application question about marriage or this or that, then you can write them down and you can hand them to me or Lori or Brent or Haley. Um, and then we will see if we can work those questions in in the next couple weeks when we're doing that. Okay. Um, so those are right up there. You can just write a question on there and you can hand it in. You don't have to put your name on anything. You can put it up here on this too and I'll get it eventually. Alright, so Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to be going through 17 through 24. And as we look at this, like I said, we're going to be looking at the last two pieces of armor, uh, as well as his farewell. So let's read it, uh, and then we will get going. It says, verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 6, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition, or perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you also may know my circumstances, how I'm doing, uh, Tychorus the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make everything known to you. And I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace with all those who love Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day that you've given to us. And just... Um, Pray that today you'd speak and that it be your words and not mine and that we'd be encouraged or convicted by the Spirit as 
uh, as needed, God. Uh, we love you, and we just pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today, uh, last two pieces of armor, the first one, and it's the first one on your list as well. It's the helmet, okay, or the helmet of salvation on your uh, little thing. It'll say of, so the helmet of salvation. And um, as we look at this, uh, it's the helmet, and it, I, I, got, I did one a little deep, okay, on the helmet stuff. There's a lot of helmets. I didn't realize how many helmets there were, so I started researching some helmets. And um, don't get too bogged down here, but uh, here's three to start with. There's so many helmets, okay? So this one on the far left is a cavalry helmet in the Roman army, okay? Uh, this one in the middle here, it's, a, it's another Roman helmet. It's kind of like a, it's a Gallic, so it's like a normal helmet for some of the Romans at a certain time. That, uh, that little plume there, they could be made in many different colors, and they signify different ranks and stuff of soldiers. Those would go on top of helmets. Okay, here's three more helmets. The one on the far left is an archer helmet. Then the one in the middle is an officer in the, uh, in the Roman army, uh, depending on time period. But that was one of the officers. That's why it's studded with gems and jewels and stuff like that. Uh, and then the auxiliary horn helmet, so that's like, you know, some of the guys that are playing instruments or like holding banners, something like that. That's what their helmets look like. Okay, here's three more helmets, okay? These are, none of these are Roman, okay? These are all weird, just different helmets, okay? The Athenian hoplite helmet, okay? Um, that was a light helmet, if you would, like for light infantry. Then you have the, the two Corinthian helmets there. Um, and I'm not sure the difference of those. I know the one on the far right is like an early Corinthian helmet, so it's like the other one maybe have come later on, basically, uh, in Corinth. Here's three more. These are all gladiator helmets, okay? Gladiators had special helmets. Uh, they covered more of their head and stuff like that because of the thing, the way they were fighting. If you notice, all of them have, well, that one, all of them really do, but they all have like the eye hole type things uh, to cover more of their face because of the, uh, the nature of the battles that they were in, basically. Uh, and not all gladiators necessarily wore helmets or these, but these are three of the helmets that they wore uh, in Roman times, okay? And then these are the ones we all know, okay? Uh, the one on the far left is the centurion's helmet, okay? So that's what you can imagine, the centurion, we see that in the New Testament quite a bit. You can imagine them wearing that helmet uh, with that plume on it. Uh, and then the Trojan War helmet, I just put that up there because everybody likes the Trojan War and they all like that helmet and everybody has seen that helmet before probably. And then the Petroleum helmet, okay, uh, we all have seen that as well. So these are, like I said, I went a little deep when I was, ta- when I was researching helmets because there's so many and they're, they're pretty cool. It's interesting how they're all different. But all of them have one goal in mind, and that's to protect the head, right? It's all a piece of armor that is meant to protect you. And so when Paul goes in here, he says, and take the helmet of salvation. Now, it's and, because he's continuing on. We basically, for three weeks, been in one of Paul's many run-on sentences, right? Uh, he goes and he says uh, in verse 14, Stand firm, therefore, having guarded your loins with truth, and going through all the armor here. He gets all the way to 17, and he says, and take up the helmet of salvation. Now, when we look at salvation anywhere in the Bible, we have to ask a couple of questions. Okay, we have to ask a couple of questions. The first one is saved from what? Saved from what? Okay, something like 90% of all salvations used in the Old Testament is talking about a physical salvation, like a physical deliverance of being saved from like death or harm or whatever. And so we have to ask this question. I have a couple, I'm, these are not going to be up on the screen. I'm going to read these, but here's a couple of um, instances in the New Testament, uh, of just the word saved being used. So look for the word saved when I read this, and then after I'm done reading it, somebody tell me what they're being saved from. Okay? This first one is in Matthew 1.21. This is an easy one. 
Okay, she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Yeah, look at that one. That one's pretty easy, right? You don't have to look at very much context for that one, okay? Matthew 8, 23-25. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, and that boat was being covered with the waves, and Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Okay, good. So what are we saving from here? Reese? Okay, what kind of death? Physical death. Okay, from what? The storm. All right, we're going to get as many details. Okay, this is, got to think about all this. Okay, next one. Acts 14, 8 through 10. And at Lystra, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man, listening to Paul... He, uh, as he spoke, who when he'd heard, fixed his gaze on him and seen that he had faith to be made well. And that made well, that word is the exact same Greek word as all the others saved. Okay? So, what is he being saved from there? Reese? <laughs> yeah, being crippled, right? He's being delivered from being crippled. Okay, and then the last one. This is Acts 27, 18 through 20. Says the next day, as we were being violently storm tossed, they began to jettison on the cargo. Okay, so they got started getting rid of the cargo in the ship. Okay, they're on a ship, and on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard uh, with their own hands, since neither sun nor stars had appeared for many days. Why had sun and stars not appeared for many days? Yeah, storm. There's a storm out so bad that no sun or stars had been seen for several days. Okay, and no uh, small no small storm was assailing us. It was a big one, not a small one. From then on, all of our hope of being saved was gradually abandoning. Being saved from what? The storm. Okay? They're going to get their shit broken up and they're being saved from physical death there, right? So the reason I just read these, okay, is because just because you see the word saved doesn't mean salvation from sin, salvation from separation from God, okay? It doesn't mean that. But a lot of times as we're reading, especially in epistles and in um, the New Testament in general, we'll be like, oh, say, oh, that means salvation from sin um, in a uh, separation from God aspect, like saved from hell. Like That's what we just automatically think of, but it's not true. So whenever we see the word saved, which we do here in verse 17, take up the helmet of salvation, we need to say saved from what? Okay, and if the answer is saved from sin, okay, then there's a second question you need to ask. The question is, which P? Okay, which P? Okay, and um, when we're talking about which P, a lot of people use this, and I think it's, I think it's pretty decent. Um, but there's three P's you can be saved up from sin, basically, right? Uh, the first one, oh yeah, I have all three up here at the same time. I don't have a them coming up one at a time. But first one is a penalty. Okay, you could say the penalty of sin. That's one way you could put it. It's like John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So we will not perish if we believe, right? Believe. And so we won't perish from what? We won't perish how? We won't go to hell. We won't be separated from God forever. So we're saved from that. Okay, and that's a one-time thing. We're justified before the Father. Okay, um, and like I said, it's a one-time faith, which we talked about last week. But um, we're justified before the Father. Some people use the word justification for this. Um, I don't necessarily like doing that, just because uh, our English translators translate 
um, pr a lot of words as justified that wouldn't necessarily fit this. And so uh, you could you say that's justification, though. Uh, the second one is uh, power. Okay, say from the power of sin. This is like Galatians 5.16. Okay, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify or carry out the desires of the flesh, right? So we do no longer have to give in to the power of sin. We no longer have to give in to the power of sin. Okay, this is being, and this is what I meant with the word justified, this is being justified before men, and this is be ju being justified at the beam of seat, meaning we're proved correct in our actions and are rewarded for it. Okay, so you can look at it that way, and that's why I said justification, because uh, it's used in some other ways in the Scripture, uh, in English translations. And so this is sometimes called sanctification. Some people call it sanctification, right? We're growing our Christian growth. It's living righteously. It's walking with God. It's drawing near to God. Uh, we're saved from the power of sin. Um, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and we don't have to sin anymore. And so that's the second way you can be saved from sin. Okay. The third way is from the presence of sin. And uh, this is Revelation 21.4, right? We all know that eventually one day we will no longer even be around sin. Okay, because we're going to be in the new heaven and new earth, and there will be no more sin. All right? That's in Revelation. And so this is, um, this is called glorification many times. So a lot of people call it justification, sanctification, glorification. Uh, that's just what people call them. And so uh, you can call this glorification. This is when we get our glorified bodies. Um, in one sense, you could say when we die, uh, we're kind of saved from the presence of sin because within our own bodies there will be no more sin. Uh, but then eventually one day after the thousand-year reign, I mean, there will be no more sin at all, right? And so there's two really stages you could think of, I guess, as this. Uh, within our own bodies when we die, we're, be pre we're glorified and then we get to be in the presence of uh, Jesus, right? And so uh, and at that point, in some ways, we're saved uh, from the presence of sin. But ultimately, after a thousand-year reign. And so, um, and this this could be... Yeah, this you could almost say this could be um, a justification of types. I don't know, that's kind of rabbit trail, but you could almost say this could be a justification before angels uh, and Satan and things like that when we're glorified bodies, we're with Christ. And now, because justification just means you're proved, you're proved right. And so it's like almost like you die, you're with Christ, and almost proving to the devil that Christ's work is finished and does you know what I mean so you could even say that in some in some regards I know that's kind of neither here nor there <clears throat> but anyway so back to Ephesians okay so what kind of salvation is it seems like salvation from sin because he's not talking about going into a literal battle right yes or no is he talking about going into a literal battle no is he talking about using a literal shield and he's probably not talking about using a literal helmet so it's probably not a physical salvation. It's probably salvation from sin. Second question, okay, which P do you think we're talking about here? Okay, and if we look in the context, everything so far has been the middle P. Okay, everything so far in the uh, armor and everything since chapter 4 basically on has been the middle P. It's been how can we be saved from the power of sin? What we, how can we live righteously? How can we... Uh, not gratify our own flesh? How can we walk worthy? How can we be imitators of God? Okay, all these things are the middle power of sin. Like, how can we have or give in to the Holy Spirit so we're not controlled by sin? And so I think, I believe that this in context is salvation from the power of sin. Because who, who's he writing to? He's writing 
to the faithful believers. Yes, he's writing to the faithful church at Ephesus who are not only believers, but ones that he's trying to encourage to go further in their walk, which would indicate, again, sanctification, power over sin. How can I live my life where sin's not controlling me, the Holy Spirit is? Okay, and you know, he did talk in so in chapters one through three, he talked about the penalty of sin a little bit. Because he talked about who we were in, their identity. He's like, hey, don't forget who you are. You're heirs of Christ. You're this, you're that. But I mean, then the whole point of this uh, letter is, hey, you're this in Christ, so don't let sin reign in your mortal body. That's not in Ephesians. But that's the point of uh, what he's been talking about this whole time in 4 through 6. And so I think that's the context of it. Um, I think he's saying, hey, put on this helmet of salvation because... Um, you are saved from you have the salvation and that uh, this um, is it does it say receive or take what does it say in your take. says take up okay so take up the helmet of salvation so you take that on and you put it on it's like you don't do that with with being saved from separation right you've already you already have that like that's all God's already done that you've already won the battle Christ he's already paid for the sin God's already forgiven you. You've already become a child. All this stuff is already done. That's in the past, right? For by grace you have been saved, right? So that's all in the past. And now he says, well, now take up. And so people are like, well, you've got to put on the salvation every day. Well, yeah, you do, but it's a salvation of power over sin. You can be saved from sin in your daily life, the power of it in your life. Okay? So he's saying, hey, take that up. You have that, you have that, that power now because the Holy Spirit's on you, right? Put that on. Know that you're safe from the power of sin. Don't give into it. Again, it kind of goes along with the breastplate of righteousness a little bit, right? Walking in the Spirit, living a righteous life. Um, and so, when we do that, it's going to protect us from the schemes of the devil. Okay, If we are putting on that power, because we have that power over um, over sin. Okay, the power, or yeah, we have the power of sin. So, um, And that word... I'm trying to look here to make sure I'm right. That word welcome there, or sorry, it doesn't say welcome in your Bible. It says take. I believe that that word um, is welcome. Okay, I'll, I'll have to double check and I can you, I can look it up later. Uh, but I believe that word is welcome, uh, basically, or accept. So it's like you're welcoming the... Um, it's like you're welcoming the salvation from the power of sin. It's like, hey... I know that I have power over sin now. You know, because like we can live our lives not really recognizing that fact or welcoming that fact or accepting that fact in our life and just kind of live the way we want. And it's like, ah, I'm just going to live the way I want. I'm just going to give in to sin. But it's like, no, welcome that as something that you have. You have power over it now. So welcome that, <coughs> accept that, take it up. Um, I'll double check that, but I'm 99% sure um, that's what that word is in the Greek. And so, all right, so... First is that helmet of salvation. We have power over sin. The second one is the sword. Okay, the sword, look at it. It's at the end of verse 17. Uh, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's just, again, this is continuing the sentence of uh, the armor of God. So he says, uh, receive or take up that helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This Greek word, sword, is used for the Roman or other uh, countries use it as well. But that short, double-edged sword that you see, this is the one you see a lot. This is the one like the, this is a replica, obviously. But it's a replica of the ones that the, some of the Roman soldiers carried. Um, so that's a, 
That's the actual sword that the Greek word is talking about there. And this weapon or any sword could be used on offense or on defense. Okay, obviously it's an offensive weapon, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. So obviously it's an offensive weapon, but it also could be used for defense, obviously blocking and things like that. There's this really cool story. I love this author. His name is G.A. Henty. And um, how many of you guys have ever read a G.A. Henty book? Oh, man, you guys are all missing out. You're all missing out. G.A. Henty is like one of the best um, historical fiction writers, I think, ever. Um, but anyway, he writes this book, and it's called The Wolf of Saxon. Or Wolf of Saxon, not The Wolf of Saxon. Wolf of Saxon, it's about a young boy. Uh, most of the stories are about young men who, who like end up growing up and becoming war heroes and stuff like that. But anyway... Uh, he writes about this kid, and, and he's a young boy still, and he has his trainer out there training. Obviously, this is back in the day, right? And his trainer's training him to actually cut arrows in half as they're flying at him. Okay, and this is a real thing. It's not like, it's not fiction. Okay, this guy has done all this research and all this stuff, but this is something that um, people would do. Okay, now the Roman soldiers, uh, they, were, they wouldn't do this. This would be like somebody who is like a, a special bodyguard or like a prince or a king would learn these things. It'd be like special warriors that would learn stuff like this. But he was, they would actually shoot blunt arrows, and you would learn to turn your body and cut them. Okay, And it helped with dexterity and all kinds of stuff. But you'd actually cut the arrows as part of your defensive training uh, with your sword, which is <coughs> kind of cool. Um, but Paul here, I think he's using this as a, as a defensive thing here, the Word of God. Uh, because that's what it says. It says stand in verse 14 and 13 and 11. But it says stand... Firm, therefore, we're not going after the devil with the word, the sword of the word, okay? But we're going to have it here, okay? We're going to have it here with us, and we're going to be able to defend with it. I think the uh, the best example of this ever is in Matthew chapter four. Uh, I'm going to read this uh, all ten verses, but this is Jesus using the sword in defense when Satan comes to him. It says, Jesus was led up to the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil, and after he fasted for forty days and forty nights, then he was hungry. I would have been hungry on like day one. But, uh, and the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, order that these stones became, or become bread. And he answered and said, It is written. Okay, that means it's in the Scripture. Man will not br- live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So he answers in Scripture right there. He uses the sword of the word to defend against the schemes and temptations of the devil. He goes on. Then the devil took him to Holy City and placed him on the highest point of the temple and said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written. So then Satan tries to use Scripture, right? It is written, He will command His angels concerning you. On their hands they will lift you up, lest you strike a, your foot against stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You are not to put the Lord God to your test. He says, Satan, you're taking that out of context. Let me use the word correctly and show you what it means. He uses the word of God there. He doesn't, he doesn't just quote a random verse. He knows what he's saying. And he's able to battle against the temptations. Even temptations, remember we talked about last week, temptations don't always uh, blare in your face and become like, it's not like, hey, don't believe that God is alive. Don't believe that God is who He is. Like, they're, they're crafty, right? They're crafty. They're schemes. Here he's trying to use the Word of God, Satan is, to tempt Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I know how Scripture is meant. Which, I mean, he wrote it, so... Obviously, he knows. But he says, no, I know how Scripture is actually meant to be used. You're taking that out of context. Here we go. Okay, third one. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, I will give you all of these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go away, Satan. For it's written, 
you shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. So Jesus takes up the sword of the Spirit of the Word of God and uses it. If you think, um, I mean, if He does it, we, I mean, we should do it, right? If He's having to take up the sword of the Word uh, to use it in defense against the temptations and schemes and wiles of the devil, then we should as well. And that's what Paul says here. We need to take it up. And so, I mean, that means reading it, okay? But that means studying it, okay? Jesus knew how to use it. He knew how to use the Word. Like, if we're like, if Satan tempts me uh, to be, uh, to worry over the future, I'm like, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only You know, that might help, or it might not. I don't know. You know, but you you, you got to know, you know, maybe you go to Philippians 4, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything you bear in supplication, let your request for your name known to God. So the peace of God, which is past all understanding, guard your hearts and minds. Like, boom, there's a verse that fits perfectly, right? If we're tempted to get angry, and we're like, uh, for by grace you've been saved through faith. You know, I mean, it's a good verse, and it could help. Okay, it could help too. But if you go to James 1.19, everybody should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It's like, okay. You know what I mean? You, you can you, If you're studying the Word and you're really reading it, and you're really memorizing it, and the, the Holy Spirit will help you, And but you can be like, hey, here's a verse that actually fits. I'm not just going to quote a random verse to myself. Here's a verse that actually fits uh, with what I'm going through. And so we can use the Word of God, and we should be using the Word of God to battle against the schemes of the devil. Okay, have Scripture memorized, and um, that'll help you a lot. And the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, sometimes I'll like, the Holy Spirit will like bring up verses that I memorized in Awana. Like, because I did Awana when I was like in Sparks and or whatever, TNT, all that stuff. And like, he'll bring verses back from that. Like, I thought I forgot them a long time ago. Right? But uh, it's pretty cool. We memorize the word and the Holy Spirit uses it in our life. And he brings up, hey, this is the verse. Here's a verse for you. Here's a verse for you. Um, so it's pretty cool. We should memorize the word. We should read it. We should study it so we know how to use it. Um, against the schemes of the devil. Okay, so the next thing. The prayer. Okay, this is in verse 18. And we're ending here. I know it's getting sad. I may cry a little bit, but we're ending here. Uh, 18, it says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be alert. Okay? With all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, and proclaiming that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So then Paul, he's done with the armor, okay? He's done with the armor, but then he says, hey, you should do this in prayer. Okay, you should do that with all prayer. We should be praying our armor on, I think. And he actually says three things to pray for there. Uh, he talks. He says that uh, they should pray for themselves. Okay, they say that they should pray, be praying for all the saints. Okay, and then it says that they should be praying for him. Okay, and uh, as a missionary, as one is in chains, okay, he's in prison. So one as a missionary too, he should be, or they should be praying for. So how do we pray the pieces of armor on? Um, I mean, I don't know. You guys can pray it on however you want. But here's a couple of examples, like the belt of truth. You could say, God, help me to know and remember the truth, know and remember who you are. Uh, help me to understand the truth of your word and not give in to lies. Uh, righteousness. God, help me to walk in the Spirit today and not gratify desire of flesh. That's pretty easy, right? <clears throat> pray that. Um, you know, I, I should pray that every single day. You should pray that every single day. Preparation of the shoes of the gospel. Peace. Thank you for the death and resurrection 
of Christ. Help me to be prepared and ready to share that. Maybe even pray, give me an opportunity to share that uh, with other people. Uh, a great way to put on the shield of faith through prayer is by praising God and thanking God. Okay, what is? How are you? How can you praise God? What are some things? You, how? What does that look like? Anybody know? Just telling God who He is, right? Yeah, telling God who He is. So, what does that look like? Acknowledging who He is, like Creator. Yeah, say God, you're the Creator. That's good. What are some other ones? God, you're sovereign. He's both just and the justifier. Just and the justifier. I like that. What else? God is only four things. What else? What else is God? God is good. Righteous. Truthful. Faithful. God is love. There's the big one, right? God is love. What else? Make you guys think a little bit this morning. You weren't expecting to have to talk this morning. All knowing. Good one. Righteous. Righteous. He's everywhere. He's a friend. He's our father. He's our guide. He's a servant. He's a king. He's, a, he's so much, guys. And when we praise God and we pray to Him like that, that helps us put up the shield of faith, right? So that's with all prayer, um, putting on that. Okay? What about the helmet of salvation? Help me to know what sin is and not walk in it. Help me to know, realize I have the power over it. Help me to realize I have the Holy Spirit in me. I mean, that could be something you could pray. The sword of the word, help me, remember, help me to remember your word when I need it. Give me wisdom to answer my thoughts and answer other people. You could even pray scripture for the word. You could, you could sit down with a psalm or a proverb or, uh, or some other prayers in the Bible. And you could sit down and pray the prayers, pray the scripture, read through it and pray it to God. And so we should be putting on the armor through prayer. And uh, prayer is very important and key, I think, to the armor of God. And we should be praying, it says, at all times. Okay, at all times. Uh, and we should be alert. Okay, we should be alert. Okay, being, being prayerful actually helps us being alert, by the way. But if we're not alert, okay, that probably means we're not putting on the armor, right? Or is, if you go back to the example that Paul's using, Roman soldier or soldier of some kind, right? So he's got all his armor on and he's standing there. He's got his sword, his shield, his helmet, his chest plate, uh, his, his shoes, his belt, and he's standing there. I mean, he's just over there looking at a tree. I mean, he's not ready. He's not alert. He's not ready, right? He still gets shot in the throat or something with an arrow. I don't know. He's ready for the tree. Okay, to attack him. he's ready for the tree to attack him. Yeah, sorry, that was a little graphic. Cool. Right, this, I was just trying to think of a spot with no armor on it. That's what I could think of. So, shot in the finger. We'll say that. Okay, shot in the, the pinky finger with an arrow. Uh, but he's not alert. He's not ready. Okay, so through prayer, we should be alert and ready for the schemes of the devil. Okay, we put on this armor and we get ready for it. Okay, and that should happen every day. And then, like I said, he's, he tells the church at Ephesus here, hey, you need to be praying for all the saints, which we should be praying for one another. Okay, um, and even maybe praying the armor of God on other people might even be a good thing to do, right? You know, especially if you know somebody's struggling with one of these pieces of armor. 
somebody's struggling in their uh, faith, somebody's struggling uh, with breastplate of righteousness or being living a righteous life, you know, you can pray these things for people. And then he says, pray for him as well to the church at Ephesus, okay? Um, I mean, you guys probably don't have to pray for Paul. I think he's doing pretty good right now uh, up there with Jesus. But uh, we can still pray for uh, missionaries or things like that. We can take application that way if we... Okay, um, so then he gets on in verse 21. He goes through the farewell, the bye-bye. Okay, uh, and we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. Uh, we'll be done fairly quickly, but this is verse 21 uh, through the end. It says, But you also know about my circumstances and how I'm doing. Uh, Ty, the beloved brother, I just call him Ty because I don't know how to say his name. Ty, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose. You may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of you who love the Lord and Jesus, uh, Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. Okay, so this is an end. This is farewell. He sends, he, so basically Paul, okay, he's in jail. He's, or he's in prison, basically, and he sends this guy named Ty, Ty Kittikus. Tychicus. There you go. I call him Ty. Send this guy named Ty. Uh, with the message, with the letter to Ephesus. So when this church at Ephesus receives the letter from Paul, it's coming through this guy named Ty. Okay, and he also sends some other information with Ty, but he only wrote down uh, this letter, which is interesting to me and kind of cool because why don't you? Why wouldn't he just write everything down? You know, why wouldn't he write down all the little details about what he wanted to tell them? Because he says that Ty's going to give him more information, right? Why wouldn't he write down everything? Well. It's interesting because Ephesians ends up being a part of the Word of God, right? And so the Holy Spirit knew that. And the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this in his letter and then send some information with Ty. So I just think it's cool because that's like part of God's sovereignty that we don't really even think about in this. But like, you know, he only wrote down what he wrote down because that's going to be in the Scripture. And then he sent that with Ty and then gave Ty extra uh, information basically. And he says that the reason uh, that he did this was for comfort, okay? Uh, and encouragement, basically, okay, and that they would know uh, what's going on, okay. And so this this letter, this letter to the church, should have been an encouragement to them, an encouragement in several ways. I think one, encouraging them to continue in their sanctification, continue walking um, in the word, continue doing and living out what they were already doing to to a degree, right? Because they were the faithful church at Ephesus, okay. That's what remember. I know it was like spring of twenty twenty one, but. Uh, He's writing to the faithful church at Ephesus. So he's writing to them to encourage them to continue on what they're doing. Okay, and so as we read this, as we study this book, you know, it's really good for all of us because, like, you guys, I mean, this is a pretty faithful group, right? You guys are a pretty faithful group, you guys, um, from what I see, right? And so you guys, we can read this and take a lot of application from it, right? And which is really cool. And I, I love the book of Ephesians a lot more now after studying it and teaching it. Um, JB says, so JB's actually written a commentary on Ephesians, but at the very end of his commentary, this is what he ends Ephesians with. He says, May all believers walk worthy of their calling as children of God, saints set apart for the glory of Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's who we are. That's what Paul started out with. Hey, you guys are children of God. You guys are heirs. You guys are uh, saints that are set apart. And we talked about that, I know, a long time ago. But that's who we are. And because of that, we should be walking worthy of who we are. Okay, you guys are all children of God if you put your faith in Jesus for eternal life. Okay, you're a child of God. 
You should be acting like it. All of you should be acting like it. I should be acting like it. And a part of that is doing all what we've been studying for all these weeks. Okay? What we've been studying for all these weeks, which a big part of it is putting on the armor of God. So what's the impact? The impact is put on the armor of God. Walk worthy. Be imitators of God. Okay? Yeah, I know. I didn't put it on the screen this time. You gotta, I, I want to make you guys listen every once in a while, you know. Uh, make sure you're listening. Um, so yeah, put on the armor of God. Walk worthy. Be imitators of God. And you guys have a little box there. You can write down your own impact or whatever. Um, so write down, like think about all these weeks that we've been in Ephesians. Like 23 different weeks, right? Think about all these weeks we've been in Ephesians and think back and say, hey, here's something that I can take from the book of Ephesians. I can say, hey, this is what I can do. This is what I can do this week from the book of Ephesians. Whether that's putting on a piece of the armor of God, or whether that's walking worthy, or whether that's uh, being an imitator of God, whether that's being not letting the sun go down on your anger, um, whether that's loving your wife or husband, which most of you probably not, right? Uh, whether that's children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Uh, you know, whatever that is. Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson.